That drama was interesting, wasn't it? If that was really how it would be, you know, when we get, get to eternity and we get to heaven, I, uh, I'm not sure I like it. I, uh, actually, it makes me a little angry thinking about what might be in my box and all the things that I probably have and am missing out on because I don't ask. The, the verse that the, uh, the superior angel here quoted was from James 4 verse 2. You don't have because you don't ask. And I, I'm pretty sure if there were those boxes, I'd have more than a box. I'd probably have more like a warehouse or two, a red one and a white one maybe, you know. Um, but seriously, it kind of makes me angry at myself thinking, man, there's probably things God wants to give that I'm not taking hold of, that I'm not asking for. So I really don't want to know what's in my box. And I'm pretty sure we won't because God says there won't be any sorrow in heaven, so there will be no regrets. But I'm pretty sure I know what would be in there. And one of the top things that I think would be in my box or warehouse or whatever, I don't think it would be a material thing, anything you know to, to grab. I think the number one thing in my box of things I missed out on would be peace of mind peace in my heart because I'm a warrior and not this kind you know the, ah, let's go get him I'm the what are we going to do kind of warrior you know <laughs> I know I, I know big German dude and you know no but seriously ask my wife I worry I, I tend to worry a lot Any out, anybody out there can identify with that do you worry I worry a lot. And um, the number one worry I've always had has been money. Um, you know, before we came here, we were missionaries with an organization called Campus Crusade. And if you're on staff with Campus Crusade, they're really quick to hire you because they don't pay you. <laughs> See, that's great. So when a mission agency asks you if you want to work for them, just be weary. And just watch out because they expect you to raise your own money. <laughs> See, so for, for like 10 years... We had to go around and talk to churches and individuals and nobody wanted to see us. You know, it's like, ah, no, stay away. Because we would present our ministry, you know, and say, and ask people if they would be willing to, to um, donate money on a monthly or quarterly, yearly, whatever. <laughs> I don't care, whenever, just give us some money. You know, people would donate money. And, and that would make up our salary. And if money didn't come in, well, we'd have less. And, and so money was a constant worry of mine. All the time. Will we have enough? Will we make it the end of the month? And quite honestly, in, the, in those 10 plus years that we lived on missionary support, there were very, very few months, if any, where our salary really covered the costs. And so it was a constant worry. Um, God took care of us, but I constantly worried. And you know, a lot of us worry right now. Don't we? Situation isn't easy for many of you, and I know that we worry about our 401ks, and because they've just totally tanked, I don't have one, so I don't worry about that. But you might, um, we might worry, you know, about bills this month and just not seeing where the money's going to come from. Maybe you worry about credit card debt and how we're going to pay that back ever, or house payments. How? What if we can't make a house payment? What's going to happen? And I don't know. Your mind, my mind is great about going to the worst possible option 
and just, you know, just totally dreading the worst possible outcome and I worry. And one thing about worrying and being anxious is the more you worry, the less room there is for peace and joy. Right? Have you ever experienced real joy and peace when you were really worried about something? It just doesn't work. It's like darkness and light don't go together. So today we, we want to talk about peace for a change. In the midst of the situation that you might be in, that, that this country is in, the economy is in. And we want to transition to the third part of the Lord's Prayer. We've, this is the third part of the series on the Lord's Prayer that we're going through. We started out with what? Two weeks ago, we started out with looking at God as our Father. Exactly. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then last week we looked at the second part of the Lord's Prayer. Do you remember? It was, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is on heaven. So we, we focused on God so far. God our Father and, and then submitting to God's sovereign will for our lives, which is hard, <laughs> super hard. And so today we're kind of transitioning from focusing on God and His will in this Lord's Prayer to Starting seemingly starting to focus on us and our needs. Today we're going to look at the part of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus instructs the disciples and us to pray, give us today our daily bread. As I was preparing for this, I was struck with a thought. You know, I've often have been to church in the past where there was more liturgy. I, I don't remember ever when, you know, in the last five months that I've been here that we've ever had liturgy, you know, where we recite something together. That's, we're just not that kind of church. But I used to be in church where that would take place frequently. And, you know, you go through this prayer. And, and I was struck with a thought, you know, have I ever prayed that and meant that? Lord, give me today, give us today our daily bread. Have you ever really, seriously, desperately had to pray, God, give me today just enough nutrition to make it through the day? Now, I know that, that we have people in our congregation, maybe here, maybe over in the, in the red, who do have to pray that, probably on a daily basis. But the percentage of those of us you know, that can identify with that is probably very, very Low. I would venture to say that 99 out of 100 here have never had to pray that prayer seriously. Give me today just enough nutrition to make it through the day. When I pray before a meal, and we usually always do as a family, and you know, we pray and thank God. Really, what I should be praying is, God, keep me from overeating, please. And it never works. I, well, and I never pray that. I know when I'm praying for the food, my wife is silently praying, please give him the discipline to stop when he's full. <laughs> but again, that doesn't work much. So, you know, give us today our daily bread. Well, it's really more the opposite. God, keep me from obesity. And uh, I've, I've started counting calories three days ago. And you know what? They just keep piling up, just pff, piles and piles of calories. But So what's up with that? Give us today... Our daily bread. How can, what can we get out of that? How does that apply to us? So as I was thinking through this, one, one question that struck me is, why is Jesus telling us to pray for daily bread? I mean, seriously, would you want to eat bread all day? I mean, only bread all day? 
You know, when you go to a restaurant here, how they try to stuff you up on bread before you actually get to the meal. And if that doesn't stuff you up, they give you a plate with oil so you can dip it in and you really get stuffed up. You know, I mean, bread, why, why is he saying daily bread? I don't want to eat bread all day. And see, bread in, in Scripture has a, has, a, has a lot more meaning to it than just bread. But again, we have so much bread, don't we? When you go to Costco... You know, or uh, Albertsons. I went to Albertsons today and picked out this nice, they call it French bread, honey. What do you think, French? No? But uh, anyway, I, I got it for you. It's French bread, and it's very crusty. I like that, crunchy. But boy, do we have an abundance of bread? <laughs> do we? I mean, I, I was actually going to get you a picture of a German bakery. I called my brother the other day and said, hey, would you go to the bakery on Saturday morning, take a picture and send it to me? And he was embarrassed, so he didn't. So I don't have a picture. But you come into a German bakery, and it's a little different from your deli bakery. So you come in, and there's just shelves, just a wall full of shelves with like literally 30 to 40 different kinds of breads, white and wheat and seven corn and, I mean, potato bread and, I mean, olive bread. And it looks, you come in, and it's like, what am I going to have today? And it, it's really awesome. So I don't think we, we really capture and understand what Jesus talks about when he talks about pray for your daily bread. See, we have so much of it. We don't understand that in most parts or in lots of parts of this world, bread isn't a luxury and just something you can choose from like 35 different kinds in a lot of parts of the world. And back then, bread was synonymous with life, with with having nutrition, being sustained. And throughout Scripture, bread is used quite a lot symbolically and has very significant meanings throughout the Bible. It starts in the Old Testament where Jacob and his family, and Jacob is kind of the father of Israel. Actually, God renamed him Israel, which that's where the name for the, for the people of Israel comes from. So Jacob and his family, he had tons of kids and a couple of wives, but we won't get into that. And... Um, and they were having um, an, a famine where they were living. They had a lack of, of wheat, a lack of, of bread. And so the lack of bread drove them to Egypt as a family where God provided for them and grew them into a nation. Then he let them out of Israel. and He let them where? In the desert. Not the best place. Not a lot of food there. Not a lot of wheat growing there to get flour and bread. But God provided daily bread, heavenly bread called manna that he dropped overnight and they had to go and pick it and they had to pick, they were instructed to pick just enough for that day. If they were to take, if they were to take more and people did, it would rot. So God wanted them to depend on him daily for their, for their needs. Then we jump into the New Testament and Jesus' life at some point, he, he's speaking to a large crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children. They didn't count women back then. I don't know why. Um, so it was probably about 10,000 people, and they were getting hungry. And he cared enough to provide food for them, bread. He took five loaves of bread and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and fed the whole group, being sensitive to their need for nutrition. A little bit later, he's talking to another group, and his disciples are getting hungry, and, and he says, you know, I am the bread of life. So he uses bread in the context of of, of Sustained him sustaining us with life, with spiritual life. Jesus as the bread of life 
And then the last evening he spent with his disciples, we call it the Last Supper, where he eats with them and he breaks bread and says, this is my body that's being broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that's why we have the Lord's Supper. We will have it next week and we will take a piece of bread and eat it and remember that Jesus gave up his body, that he died for us. So bread has a really significant meaning throughout scripture. And here, when Jesus says, pray for your daily bread, it really means more than a daily portion of cooked dough to eat. It talks about the totality of our needs that he wants to provide for. So bread in this, in this instant is not just bread. It's, it's all of what we need. Then the second question I had is, why does he pray for our daily bread why why can't we just say weekly or monthly so so we got it covered we got we don't have to go there every day you know kind of do this in advance and he provides for us but you know he i think what he wants to teach us is that he wants us to depend on him on a continuously ongoing basis that every day we recognize our dependence on him now the topic today is peace for a change. Now, being dependent on someone doesn't sound very peaceful to me. It doesn't sound like something that will give me peace if I have to depend on someone else to meet a need. Can you identify with that? I mean, uh, no, depending on other people, it's just not just the, the most confident building thing you know, in the world. But that really, as I thought about it, depends on who you're dependent upon, doesn't it? There's some people that are very dependable and some that aren't so much. And I was thinking back over those long, long, long 35 years of my life. You know what were the most peaceful times, most carefree days of my life? Were the times when I was dependent on my parents, on my father, on my parents to provide for me. The worry, the anxiety, the lack of peace came in when I started to have to provide for myself. So really depending on somebody can be a very reassuring and peace-giving thing. And you see, this request for daily bread, I think, is much, much more than asking God to provide for a daily need. I think it is much, much more about God being the provider than it is about the actual provision. It's about the peace that comes from knowing that we're dependent on Almighty God. It comes, it's about the peace that comes from knowing that, that, that Almighty God knows and cares about my needs and your needs. It's about the peace that comes from, from knowing that He wants to and will meet our daily needs. And it, it's about the peace that comes from knowing that God has limitless resources. What do we experience when we have a, a felt lack in our life? When, when there's felt needs that aren't met, it leads to anxiety and fear. But what do we experience when we know there is somebody that will provide, somebody that will catch us? Oh, doesn't that lead to great peace and reassurance? I remember one time, my son Casey, our second 
um, child, we were, um, we were out and he asked me to buy something from, I don't even remember what it was, something small. But I literally had no cash on me, zero. So I said, Casey, you know what, I, I just have, I have no money on me. I'm sorry, I can't do that right now. And he said, well, daddy, why don't you just go to the machine and get some? See, for him, this ATM was this miraculous thing you just drive up to. Actually, in Europe, you walk up to it, and, um, and you punch in some numbers, and whoop, whatever you need just comes out. You know? And so his idea was, hey, let's just go to the store, just go to the machine and get what we need. See, it was kind of this natural connection. Yet You need something, you go there and you get it. Well, what about if our first thought was, when there is a need in our life, instead of jumping into an emergency plan and into action, this is what I got to do and I got to rebudget and do this and call this person. And What about going to, not the machine, going to God? Why don't we just go to God? Because he has limitless resources. This is what Philippians 4, 6 actually encourages us to do. And I want to go there with you and have a look at that. I think we'll have it on the screen. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says this. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So we're encouraged. And this is just one of many passages throughout Scripture that encourages us to go to God with our needs. And so often we're so slow to go there. There's a thousand other places we go first. It says, go to God. Thank Him for what He has done. And you will experience God's peace. And a peace that will blow your mind, literally. That's what it says here. A peace that will blow your mind. And then later in that same chapter, we go to jump to verse 19. He tells us how God is actually going to deliver on this promise. And this is the verse I really want to dive into with you a little bit here. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There's really three, three promises, three parts to this promise. In this, in this verse 19 that I want to dive into with you. And the first part is, and my God will. Just that part of it. And again, I want to reiterate, it's more important, the provider is more important than the actual provision. And it says here, he, he will provide. Okay, there's what will isn't ambiguous. There isn't a lot of uncertainty there, is there? If somebody says, I will provide, that... There's quite a bit of certainty here. It's a promise. And it's not linked to any, anything that, you know, you've got to do the right thing, you've got to say the right thing, and then maybe I will provide. And, and as you notice, if we go back to the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus encourages us to pray, give us today our daily bread. I'm thinking, oh man, what? He forgot the magic word. There's no please in there. You know, you've you got to say, please, 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 give me today our daily bread. You know, no, it's a promise. He will provide us nothing required or ask certain hoops to jump through. It's a promise. My God will provide. 
to me, that leads to peace of mind. But then, before he says will, he says, my God will provide. He could have said your God. He's, he's actually writing this to the church in Philippi, which was a church that had very little. This wasn't a very affluent church. They had very little. But they had just taken up a sacrificial collection of donations that Paul was going to take to an even needier church in Jerusalem. So they had just given very graciously and sacrificially, sacrificiously, no, anyway, you know what I mean, and generously out of not having very much. And as a response to that, he says, my God will meet all your needs. He could have said, your God. The point is that God is personal. My father always used to say, God doesn't have grandchildren. What he meant is that, was that as a Christian, he said, Christian, God, just because I'm walking with God and I love him and, and have received his forgiveness and have peace with him and I've become his child, that doesn't mean you as my child, even though you've grown up with this and you've learned the right things to say and the right things to do, and that doesn't mean you're his child and God doesn't have grandchildren or nephews, or nieces. He only has children. And for this promise to be true for you, you have to be able to say, my God. You have to be his child. The promise of provision is, in a sense, conditional to being his child. It might sound harsh, but you know, if, if you think about it, I... I'm a father and I, I provide for my children. That's my responsibility, my desire to provide for my children. I, I'm not called to provide for my neighbor or even my brother's children. They, they're not my children. God provides for his children because he's a loving father. But again, more important is that he is your God. That's more important than what he can do for you, isn't it? You know, sometimes... Sometimes Kenny up here, you know, he goes over to friends' houses back in Germany and, you know, here. And sometimes he come, goes to a house where the, the boy he plays with seemingly has more than he does. Right? And so he comes home and says, oh, dad, he had this and that and a PSP and an Xbox and a Wii and a TV in his room and, and, and a pool. And, and so I ask him, all right, that's great, Kenny. Are you jealous a little bit? I said, okay, well, Kenny, what, what would you rather have? Would you rather have all that and not have me? Or is it okay to have me and have a little less of other things? And without, without blinking, he says, oh, I'd rather have you. Because, and I asked him again this morning, he said, why? And he said, oh, I love you more than that stuff. And you know, that is what God is after. That is what Jesus is after when he encourages us to pray for our daily needs and come to our Father for these needs, to come to the point where God is more important to us as our Father than what he can do and give us. Does that make sense? Do we want God more than we want his provisions? That's really what he is after. So the source of this provision is my God. Is he your God? The second part of this promise is 
the scope of what he wants to provide. It says in, in verse 419, chapter 419 says, he wants to meet all your needs. And I hope I'm not getting too technical for you here, but the words mean something, right? And it says meet. He doesn't promise to exceed our needs. He doesn't promise to always give us an overflow and more than we need and in abundance and luxury. And there is, you know, chapters of the Christian faith that would say, well, just name and claim what you want and what you need. And if you need a Mercedes, you name it and you claim it and God will provide whatever you need and have faith for. I don't see it in the Bible. I don't know. He wants to meet our needs. He wants to give what we need. And then he says, all your needs. Now that baffles me a little. All, now all is pretty all-inclusive, right? All means all, right? There's, there's nothing that's not included in all. So why is it then that I sometimes have needs that aren't met? If he wants to meet all my needs. Now there's multiple options for that. One, the Bible talks about in James 4 verse 3. It says... When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So one question is, is, is our motives. And what comes into this motives is the whole question. And this is a real sticky one and a fine line with, with motives. And what we ask for is needs, right? He's promising to meet all our needs. Needs versus wants. And you see, could it be that our culture has really messed up that line between wants and, and needs? What do we really need and, and, and what do we want? And our culture gives us all kinds of messages. What we really need and you deserve it. Go get it. Well, God might have a different idea there. Yeah, yeah, just Okay, Valentine's Day yesterday, right? You guys all remembered it? No? Well, okay. Um, TV advertisement in the last week or so tried to tell me that my wife needs a diamond necklace. Well, I don't think so. God, anywhere? <laughs> no. But yeah, our culture determines what we feel as our needs. And if we don't have felt needs, maybe it's because they're not needs in God's eyes. And we have a hard time with it. First, when I, when I thought about this, I thought, you know, kids really don't get that, really. They say, oh, I need this, Dad. No, you don't. But then I said, you know what? I have that same problem. Say, God, I need this. Mm, no, you don't. You know, okay, I need nutrition. Anybody here needs nutrition? And let me just tell you, I love food. You didn't notice, did you? <laughs> I need nutrition. But do I need Cracker Barrel every week? Well, I, I, I'd like to think so, but I don't, all right? Now, I need clothing, especially in this country. Um, I don't want to get arrested. I need clothing. Europe has a little different standards when it comes to that, what's considered clothing, what not. But I need clothing. Anybody else here need clothing? Yeah. Well, does it have to be Tommy Hilfiger all the time? It's needs and there's wants, right? First John five fourteen through 15 says this. This... The confidence, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. So we can approach God with confidence. It says that if, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we asked of him. See, here's the, the crux. He will provide everything we need according to his will for us. So well, how do we know God's will and what, what should we ask for? And that's tricky. We can't get into all of that. But one, one way that God has communicated to us what his will is for us is his word. There's no guessing much. We read this, we, we will get a pretty good idea of what he wants from us, what, what, he, what his will is for us. So one way to effective prayer is praying scripture back to God. Praying his promises back to him. And he has promised to meet the needs of those that can call him my God. In the Lord's Prayer, he calls us to pray for the provision of our daily needs. So it talks about approaching him with confidence. Again, confidence to me goes along with, with having peace, right? Now, I've talked to quite a few of you this week. And I've had at least four or five conversations with people, members, crashers here at K2 this week who've shared with me what desperate situation they're in. Not a lot of peace. People who lost their jobs, who lost their source of income. Someone else shared with me I have no money for any bills this month. I don't know where the mortgage payment's going to come from. Literally, we have among us, and, and this might be you, people who are in really desperate, needy situations right now. How are we supposed to approach God with confidence in that and with peace when seemingly everything seems to be taken away? Well, there's another Bible verse I want to share with you. It's in Matthew 6, 32, 33. And this is in the context of people of Jesus addressing that very issue with people. In Matthew 6, he gives a sermon and he talks to people and says, Do not worry about what to eat. Do not worry about what to wear. Don't I feed the sparrows? And how much more important are you than a bird? Don't I dress the flowers in the field and they're here today and tomorrow we throw them in the fire and... Yet I dress them beautifully and how much more important are you than a flower in the field? And then he says this in verses 32 and 33. Your heavenly father knows that you need them, that you have these needs. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. And as I read this, I thought, wow, this is like a direct parallel to the Lord's Prayer. He says, your heavenly Father knows. We talked about heaven, how our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then Jesus says here, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it says, as a result of us submitting to his will, all these things will be given to you as well. Lord, give us today our daily bread, provide for our daily needs. There's a direct correlation to seeking his kingdom, submitting to his will, seeking his righteousness, and God providing for our needs. I told you about our, our support money situation when we were missionaries. 
You know, in Germany, with the banking system works a little differently. They, they are very eager for you to overdraw your account. There's no, like, huge fees they slap you with every time you overdraw it. You know, they give you a certain amount that you can overdraw, and they're very happy to charge you interest, but it makes it very easy to kind of default to that. And we defaulted to that for a long, long time. I mean, there were months where we didn't even start out black. We started out red. And constant worry, constant pressure. And there was a time a few years ago when both my wife and I felt really convicted through Scripture where God says, don't owe anything to anybody. We felt, you know what, that isn't right, that we trust the bank more than God. And, and we made the commitment, and it was really, really hard. But we made the commitment, we will not overdraw. We will be seeking his kingdom and his righteousness in this area. And so we committed to that. And it meant at some point, there was no money in the bank to go and buy groceries. There literally wasn't. So Lene happened to go over to the border in France. We lived right on the border. She had to had some business at the, at the post office. And we also had a bank account. And Europe post offices also function as banks and She just checked on the balance, which should have been zero. But her mom, who really had nothing and nothing to give and shouldn't have, had just wired, what, 50 euros onto that account out of, out of blue without telling us. It was just there. That morning, we had prayed and we had taken the kids through that very deliberately and said, kids, this is what we're doing. This is what God's asking from us. And bam, that day, 50 euros, about $70 for grocery money. Another time... I forgot the timeline. Another time again, we pray, God, there's no money there. We came home later that day. There was a box of food on our front step. So just wild stories. Another time, we were out of money. Her father came to visit us, and very unlikely for him, paid for every, all the groceries all week that he was there, which was totally, whoa. And, and so we were, we were faithful to submit, and he provided. Now, let me just say as a disclaimer, I'm not telling you this because I'm super Christian. Well, I'm Christian, but uh, not super. This is an area that, that I'm constantly learning. I'm just giving you this example as, a, as an encouragement, not to say, oh, look at us and look at what we do. More often than not, I don't do it. More often than not, I default to my own emergency plan and, and don't go to God for provision. I'm learning. That's why I have that whole warehouse in heaven where all the things God wanted to give and hasn't yet. But I hope it encourages you to, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness and he will provide. So we've talked about the, the source. Our God is the source. We talked about the scope. He wants to provide all of our needs. So we come to the, to the last part of this promise in Philippians 4.19 and that's the supply. And it says, my God will provide for all your needs according to his glorious riches. His supply, his glorious riches are endless. You know, my boy said, just go to the machine. And he had this endless supply. But, you know, sometimes some of you, some of I, some, sometimes I come to the machine and it says, eh, insufficient funds. Well, you come to God with your needs. You will never see the message insufficient funds. It will not happen. His ATM is limitless with provisions for his children. 
One way that the Bible describes his riches, and this made sense in their culture, it's in Psalm 34, if I'm not mistaken, it talks about God owning cattle on a thousand hills. And in those times, only rich people could, could afford to own cattle, and to have enough cattle on a thousand hills was like the ultimate riches. God is the God who created the universe, who holds everything in his hand and has unlimited resources to meet your and my needs. He puts Larry Miller and Bill Gates to shame. But could you imagine Larry Miller walking up and giving you a blank check to use this for your needs? God wants to meet your needs. He has everything we need, and not just physically, but again, the provider is more important than the provision. Our spiritual needs are more important than our daily needs. And he's provided Jesus. And remember earlier I mentioned that Jesus compared himself to bread, the bread of life. He's our daily bread of life. He's the one we have to go to daily for our spiritual needs. We need him for spiritual survival, for spiritual life. So if you, if we can truly call God, our God, my God, He wants to meet all of our needs. He has all the resources available. Then why is it that we still often feel lack? Again, it's, it's maybe because we don't ask. Maybe we're too prideful to depend, to ask for help. Hebrews 4.16 in the message version, which is kind of like a modern day alliteration, um, says it this way, and I love it. Matthew 4.16 in the message version says this, So let's walk right up to him, to God, and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, receive the help. Love that. Let's just walk up to God's ATM and, and get what he's ready to bless us with. But we have to go and get it and ask and receive, be humble enough to receive. And then again, maybe it is we experience a lack of, of needs provided because we are not seeking his kingdom. We are not seeking his righteousness and aren't faithfully following him. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe it's because we take the burden of provision on rather than trusting God to provide. But if we do that, if we truly start understanding and knowing these verses that we've looked at this morning and knowing more than knowing here, knowing, knowing in our hearts. And Dave often challenges us with this. Do we really know and do we really believe that God is a loving Father, that He loves us? Because if we truly believe that He loves us, we will trust that He will provide. My children, the son that just walked out, No, for they, they know one thing for me. They know I'm not perfect, but they know one thing. And they know that I love them with everything I have. And they know that I would give my life for them. And they know that they don't have to worry about me wanting to provide the needs that I can provide for them. And that is how God feels about us. He loves us. And he gave his life for us through his son Jesus. And he wants to provide the needs of his children. 
And boy, if we can start to really understand that it will lead to what the passages in, in, in Philippians 4 earlier, 6 and 7 say, it will lead to a peace that will blow your mind. And that's my translation. <laughs> to a peace that will go beyond human understanding. And isn't that what we're all after? Honestly, isn't, isn't peace, inner deep peace, what we're all after? I can tell you it's what God's after. He's after peace with us and reconciling us to him. So give us today our daily bread, much more than a request for daily nutrition. It's an acknowledgement of our dependence on God for everything that we need. And it's an acknowledgement that we know that he actually wants to provide and is ready to provide. It's an acknowledgement of, I can't do it, but you can. And if you don't know Jesus yet, if you can't, can't say, my God, if he is still our God, then I want to encourage you today to consider Jesus as your bread of life. That you would start taking a bite. That you would start tasting of Jesus. And know that he is good. And that he loves you. And that he wants to give you forgiveness. And lead to your peace with God. And I, I just want to encourage you to consider that today. If you don't know this peace yet. And you can't if you don't know Jesus and haven't tasted from him. So we have, um, we've put some papers and envelopes at the end of each aisle. I would like you to take those and pass those along, a piece of paper and an envelope for everybody. I want to encourage you to now in the next few minutes, and the band can come up, please. I want to encourage you to, to think through some of the needs and requests that you have for God. Put them down on paper. Put the paper in the envelope and seal it and self-address it. Now, those prayer requests that you write down, the requests that you have from God, and he says, come to me confidently. Ask. Put them down, but then please make them your daily prayers. Ask God for what you need. And ask him now. Take, take some time. We'll have some instrumental music. Before you write them, ask, God, what do you want me to pray for? What do you want me to ask you for? What do you want me to trust you for? Put those down. Make those your daily prayers. Put them in the envelope. Self-address them. And then as you leave today, drop them in a basket. There'll be a basket for you to drop in. Now, don't put your, your giving for the week in there because you'll just get it back in six months. We don't want that now, do we? Um, so just put your request in there, and then in six months we'll send them back to you. And then I can't wait to hear the stories back of what God has done and how he has answered your prayers and how he has met your needs and the peace that you have experienced from knowing that God will meet the needs of his children. So just take some time and do that, please. Again, write them down, put them in, self-address the envelope. Don't just put your name on it, please, so we have to go through the database. Put your name and address on it so that we can just slap a stamp on that baby and send it back to you in six months. So talk to God and ask him what, 
what to ask for. 